Okay, so there's a lot of things I miss about being a kid. You know, like somebody else doing the driving. Somebody else making dinner. Not having to pay bills. No responsibilities. Not having to shave or get gas or pay rent. Somebody else planning vacation. Good God, I was just going to mention one or two things, but apparently I'm not very pleased about being an adult. This is a longer list than I would have thought. But the reason why I brought this up is because the one thing I really miss about being a kid were the TV specials that mark time. I'm talking specifically about, you know, the Grinch that stole Christmas or the Charlie Brown specials, the Great Pumpkin one, the Christmas one. You know what I'm talking about. My point is those specials helped me keep grounded when I was a kid. They made the calendar kind of stop, and they forced me to realize where I was and who I was with and what it meant. Those specials made the days kind of feel like something. And when you're older, the days don't really feel like that anymore. Now, I wish I could do something like that for you here on the podcast, and the closest I can come is my chat with Justin of 98 Degrees. Why? Well, to me, this conversation feels Thanksgiving-ish. At first, it's just sort of a regular talking points interview, which is the kind I don't really like to do. But then something kind of happens, and it just sort of takes off. And it takes off in a way that has to do with actually caring about other people. I'm not going to say too much more. You'll hear it. You'll see what I mean. But let me just say this. This is our Thanksgiving special. I'm thankful for this chat with Justin. I'm thankful he opened up. But most of all, I'm thankful that you're around to hear it. Because when I sit behind this mic and I host this show, I'm most thankful for you. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast, our Thanksgiving special. Check this out. Come on. Heated Up by 98 Degrees, which features my guest today on the program, Justin Jeffrey. Let me tell you a little bit about Justin Jeffrey and 98 Degrees. The normal body temperature for the human body is somewhere around 98 degrees. Yes, I went there. 98.6 to be exact. 98.5 was my favorite radio station growing up, but whether it's 98.5 or 98.7, if a person is somewhere around 98 degrees, everything's normal. What's not normal, however, is for a person to one day be a college student studying history and the next day to be an international superstar selling millions of records and having adoring fans all over the world. 
not normal at all. But just because it's not normal, it doesn't mean it doesn't happen, because it happened just like that to Justin Jeffrey. Let me back up a bit. Although Justin Jeffrey was born in Michigan in the early 70s, his family relocated to Ohio and settled in the Cincinnati area. It was there that Jeffrey found himself enrolled at SCPA, the School for Creative and Performing Arts, a K-12 public school that offers world-class pre-professional arts training and advanced college preparatory academics. Yes, it's like Glee, only with one major difference. On Glee, actors had to audition to get on a television show about kids going to a creative arts school. But in real life, kids had to audition to get into the school so they could actually be students going to a creative arts school in the first place. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Now, if that wasn't tough enough, students in grades 4 through 12 were only admitted after several highly selective and rigorous auditions in the seven different artistic majors. Not only that, but once you got in, you couldn't skate by on your good looks and your natural talent. This means you, Matthew Morrison. An Arts Proficiency Board exam review is conducted each semester to make sure the students are continually pushing themselves to maintain high artistic standards. That said, it's not very surprising that from an academic standpoint, the state proficiency test scores at SCPA are among the highest in the state. Some alumni from SCPA, you ask? Well, here's a few. Carmen Electra, Sarah Jessica Parker, Tony-nominated actor Stephen Jeffries, Black Veil Bride singer Andy Biersack, and, of course, some of the lads in 98 Degrees. And I'm getting to that, I promise. But first, I want to talk a little more about Carmen Electra. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. But I do want to think about her, so uh, maybe I'll do that when I'm done with this. Now, at SCPA, the young Justin Jeffrey became pals with Nick Lachey. He and Lachey were actually pretty fast friends, and a few years later, their friendship found them performing in bands together and even a barbershop quartet. But after high school, Justin Jeffrey got accepted to the University of Cincinnati, and that was that. Well, to be totally accurate, that was that for now. Meanwhile, at college, Justin Jeffrey was majoring in history, making new friends, going to parties, meeting girls, you know. As far as normal life was going, Justin Jeffrey was at about 98.6. Totally normal. But leave it to that pesky Lachey kid to make it all go a bit sideways. We'll get to that in a second. But first, let's talk about Jeff Timmons. The Canton-born Timmons was another college boy. He was over at Kent State studying psychology and getting his head around the idea that he wasn't going to make it to the NFL. But as we all know, nothing takes the sting out of not being a bangle than singing at a party and having a bunch of girls telling you, you sounded awesome. Now, this may be an apocryphal story, but let's go with it because it keeps getting better. Timmons left college the next day. That must have been a hell of a party. And he went to L.A. with the idea of, well, there wasn't really that specific of an idea, but it likely involved singing and parties and girls. Now, to be fair to Timmons, he did have a vague idea why he was going to L.A. He wanted to pursue music in some capacity, but in many ways, to borrow a football term, it was a Hail Mary pass because Timmons wasn't connected and he didn't really know anyone. But the official slogan of Ohio is, so much to discover, 
and Timmons discovered a performing arts school alum who suggested his old classmate Nick Lachey would be a great musical collaborator. At the time, Lachey was at Miami University studying sports medicine, but he flew to L.A., he hit it off with Timmons, his performing arts background clicked in like a reflex, and he was ready to go. Lachey and Timmons' plan was to start a boy band. Lachey grabbed his younger brother, Drew, who was in New York working as an EMT, and he got Jeffrey to leave college and come to L.A., and boom, 98 Degrees was born. Now, the moral of this story for all you young kids listening at home, leave college. I mean, why not? Pretty much everybody in this story does, but it paid off. 98 Degrees went on to sell 10 million records, lodge eight singles in the top 40, collaborate with everyone from Mariah Carey to Stevie Wonder, get nominated for a Grammy, and release two beloved Christmas albums. The band went on hiatus from 2003 to 2012, and in that nine-year period, Justin Jeffrey ran for mayor of Cincinnati, and he became an activist for many local issues, including doing work to help the homeless. 98 Degrees came back in 2013 with a new album, and they've been at it ever since. On November 1st, they embarked on the 36-date 98 Degrees at Christmas 2018 tour, and they've got a new album in the works for 2019. So, in the middle of all this, I got the chance to talk to Justin Jeffrey, and it was a very cool conversation. But, I don't know, I mean, halfway through the first part of, of the chat, I thought, you know, this is going exactly the way I thought it would go. And I think he thought the same thing. I think he was just sort of delivering answers he's always delivered. And maybe I was asking questions that were variations on questions he's heard. And uh, then I thought that I would throw a Hail Mary pass of my own just to see if something interesting would happen. And we could take a little detour from the usual business and actually get to know who this guy is. And that's exactly what happened. I don't want to spoil it for you. You'll hear it. You'll recognize it where the interview becomes something else entirely. And it's very, very cool. Really nice guy. And uh, by the end of it, I thought we broke some new ground. Justin is articulate. He's thoughtful. Um, he has a huge heart. And uh, he's a very uh, deep guy. Very contemplative and uh, very civic-minded and uh, a real joy to talk to. But this is a great example of how sometimes you hear someone's name or you sort of hear what someone does for a living, and uh, you check a couple boxes in your brain about who they are and what kinds of things they like and what kinds of things they think about. And listen, for the most part, you're wrong. I shouldn't say you. I do it too. And we're always wrong. It's a very reductive way to think about people. Yes, 98 Degrees, they sing some pretty smooth R&B songs, and they're handsome guys. But you know what? That's only part of the story. And Justin Jeffrey. Uh, you know, in this interview, he emerges as someone who is very politically astute and socially aware. And you know what? It ends up being one of my favorite conversations I've ever had. So here you go. Me and Justin Jeffrey having a chat right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast.
found ourselves after Boys to Men and, and wanted to sort of have, you know, what we consider the, a classic Motown uh, feeling sound. And, and I think that um, we've been pretty successful at that. If you listen to both of our Christmas albums, uh, This Christmas and then uh, last year's Let It Snow, um, you know, I think we, we very much pride ourselves on on having, uh, you know, some classic sounding arrangements and, and uh, you know, real horns and, and real strings uh, and a, a lot of times and, you know, just sort of sounds that, that won't be sound dated, you know, five or ten years from now. So, uh, sorry, there's a little train, train going by <laughs> in case you have trouble hearing me. But it's, um, yeah, we, we uh, you know, feel like, you know, the business has changed. And so, you know, there was no such thing as social media and, um, you know, the way you interact with, with uh, the fans is a, a little bit different, but, but mostly it's pretty much, you know, kind of like riding a bike and, and things are, are, you know, we're just happy to still be able to do it all these years later and that our fans are still coming out to shows and, and supporting us. And, um, you know, I think uh, because we, we've worked really hard um, in the past, we've managed to, to create some good relationships with a lot of people throughout the business. And so that's, that's really served us well. And, uh, you know, we just continue to try and keep our nose to the grind, keep things in perspective and, uh, you know, have, have fun and enjoy the moments and enjoy, you know, being able to do something that we always dreamed of doing. When you stepped away from the business, did you miss it? Um, you know, I think I, I missed performing with the guys and stuff. I, you know, I didn't, uh, I think, you know, for, for me, part of it was, uh, I, you know, I kind of, we had been so in the spotlight, um, you know, I felt, um, I guess that was a, something that I, I felt I had a little bit of a hard time adjusting to. So it was kind of nice to be able to fly under the radar again a little bit. But, um, you know, now I feel like I can, we're kind of in the best of both worlds and that we, you know, our fans pay attention to what, where we're going, what we're doing. Um, but, you know, I, we still, um, uh, can go out and feel like you know just normal people and uh you know and obviously it's a little different for you know nick is obviously uh you know extremely recognizable um more so than myself but um you know i think everybody's you know continued to to do different things and uh you know but ultimately we we still love what what we do and, and we still get along great and have fun doing it and our fans keep showing up and so that allows us to keep doing it you know, one thing I don't think that that groups like 98 Degrees get credit for is you all must be very good collaborators, you know, because being a collaborator is not something that comes naturally to everybody. Um, and so, you know, being in a group with, you know, a couple other guys, you have to be somebody who can take criticism and work well with others. Um, and I, I don't think you get enough credit for that skill. Well, th thanks for that. Yeah, I mean, it, it is true. I mean, that, you know, that's why so many uh, bands break up is that it's, it's you know, you have to, there has to be a give and take and there has to be a, a mutual respect from everybody. And so, you know, I think that we, that, that's part of what makes our, our formula work is that we all respect each other. We all have a voice in what happens and we make decisions together. You know, we certainly don't always agree on everything, but, but we know uh, how to have some give and take. And, and, uh, you know, I think ultimately when everybody, you know, gives their opinion and their thoughts, um, you know, we end up making the best decisions. And, and, um, you know, I think everybody, we're, we're also a little different from some other groups and that we are, are like sort of a true quartet. So, you know, Jeff is very much a first tenor and, and Nick is a, 
you know, also a tenor, but he's, you know, just sort of works in the stratosphere and, and Nick is kind of in a, that next range. And then Drew's really a, a baritone and then, you know, I'm kind of a baritone bass. So we, we have, I think, a, a unique, unique sound. And it's also, you know, I think everybody kind of just naturally knows, you know, when it's this part of a song, you know, it's going to, you know, this, this part works here and that works there. And this person shines there and, you know, everybody has their moments. How are you at taking criticism? I think it's, you know, part of the, I mean, obviously, you know, nobody likes to be criticized, no. but I think it's important <laughs> to, um, you know, to, to hear especially constructive criticism. Um, you know, I think, you know, you have to be able to, in this business, have a, a pretty thick skin, but you also, um, you know, I think uh, when, when the waiver we are critical of each other, it's only um, to, to improve, you know, ourselves and to make each other better. And, and it's, you know, in no way, um, to sort of tear each other down it's to make us all better as a group. And so, you know, sometimes, um, you know, I think it's important in life to be able to, to take criticism and, and it makes you better um, when for it. You know, I've interviewed bands where they've literally put the instrument down for 10, 15 years and then picked it back up again. When you were not performing, were you still singing like in the shower? Like, how are you how are you staying fit vocally? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I still, you know, just uh singing always comes naturally and I would also uh you know I have lots of friends that are musicians so you know I would often go and and sit in with them and uh you know it's just it's something that uh it just kind of comes natural um you know I always listen to music and uh, yeah so singing is just it's sort of like riding a bike it just comes back naturally were you always uh, disciplined growing up? Were you somebody who practiced and worked at your craft? Um, I think, you know, probably not as much as I should have. But, yeah, I think, you know, I was fortunate enough to go to a really great art school with some really talented kids. And I think that they, uh, as much as the teachers and probably even in some ways more so, kind of inspired uh, you to, to get better at your craft. And, um, you know, I think especially – I think, you know, when I first started, you know, playing the trombone or in choir in elementary school, um, you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't as excited about it. But then after you get to a certain level and a certain age and then, I, you know, I saw the kids that were older than I was were, you know, playing in a, a really cool jazz band and performing really cool stuff. And that then I became more excited and that made, um, you know, made you sort of step up your your game and um you know work harder and and then uh you know the the better you get then the more uh the more you think well hey maybe we can take this to another level and so yeah i became very passionate about music and uh have remained so to this day were you competitive with with other other performers when you were younger um i don't know i don't necessarily i mean you know if we were they would there were uh, competitions that our school would go to and you know being an art school we had and uh, we, we just had great teachers and a lot of talented kids so we'd always do well there and so you know it was always fun to you know to kind of wow the, uh, the the judges but um but i don't know i mean you know i don't think you know, I, I, we it was more of a collaborative spirit at, at our school you know i think you know you might audition for this part or want this role but I think ultimately uh you know I, I just respected the talent that so many of my my peers uh had 
had it back then and uh, you know and still to this day I mean I, you know, getting to work with uh, some really talented guys that uh, you know we we are very lucky and, and happy to do what we do. Did you always know that you were going to pursue the creative life or was it something that you had to really think about? Uh, for me, it was something I, I felt very lucky early on to at least know what I wanted to do. You know, you know it was really only a question of, you know, will we be able to be successful at it? But uh, I, I definitely knew um, that I wanted to be in a vocal group and um, doing, you know, the, the type of things that we're, we're doing now. I mean, I had no idea how much, you know, work and how much was going to be involved to, to really get there and to do it. But um, those are lessons you learn along the way. When you see, you know, bands these days that are doing what you guys did, you know, 15, 20 years ago, do you worry that, that you know, handling success, when success comes when you're a young man, uh, it's very easy to, to, to mishandle it? Um, and do, do you sort of see people and you go, oh, man, this is, this is a dangerous place. It's too much too soon. Um, or do you even pay attention to that stuff? Well, I think, you know, we're, we're sort of a bit past that at this point, but we, you know, certainly coming up, uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of lessons to learn. Um, and you know, you uh, some of them you have to learn some, some you can learn from, you know, people talk about other groups and how they broke up and stuff. And then some of them you just have to go through and, and, you know, inevitably make some mistakes and, and, you know, over time you, you hopefully learn from those and um you know but i think you know one thing that uh, we always had going for us is that we were not afraid of hard work and um you know we knew that that we had to, to work hard and things wouldn't always you know come as easy as we'd hope and you know in life things are usually more complicated than you think they should be but um uh you know that's just the, the nature of things and and so um you know if you want to be able to do something that you love you really do have to be have a passion for it and you have to work hard and uh you know that's something that we've always fortunately had the passion and we've always you know tried to work hard and and to uh you know deliver for our fans and and you know really just treat everybody around us well and and um you know everywhere we go you know we just re respect um everybody and and uh you know i think that just being nice sometimes is, uh, you know, something that, you know, in the, this business, I think a lot of people kind of get um, their egos get out a, a little too inflated. And so, you know, for us, it's all about, you know, we're just pretty regular, pretty much regular guys. And, you know, we try to stay humble and treat everybody the way we'd want to be treated. And, and uh, you know, that goes a long way. Well, yeah, when you do something nice, even though it seems like a small gesture on your part, people, people never forget that stuff. Right. And yeah, and I also never forget, you know, if you had a bad day and, uh, you know, you kind of came off, uh, you know, not the way you, you would have liked to have or, you know, um, so people remember both ways. So it's, you know, always, we always try to make sure that, you know, we are always as nice and polite as we can be and, uh, and you know, we're always as professional as we can be. Can you talk a little bit about how you balance your creative life with your your sort of activist life in terms of the things that interest you politically and the causes that are important to you. Um, how do you balance the two and, and where are you in terms of what is interesting you lately outside of music? Well, um, I recently, uh, up until recently, I was, uh, for six years, I was working at the greater Cincinnati homeless coalition. And so, you know, I was also, also we were, 
doing things and going on tours and stuff. So at times that would be difficult. And that's actually why, um, because we, we've gotten busier as a group, um, which is, you know, something I'm thrilled about. Um, but it, it also made it so I had to step away from, you know, being uh, a part of the coalition. But I still am very much a supporter of, of the organization and, and, you know, continue to work, uh, you know, in my local community for social justice and uh, trying to just, you know, make our community better, especially for people that are, uh, you know, experiencing uh, poverty and, and homelessness. And uh, so I, you know, I mostly try to focus on, on issue campaigns because I feel like it's, you know, you can really kind of find common ground. You know, there might be somebody who, in general, we don't share the same politics, but, you know, if we find uh, an issue that we can all agree on and we can work together and, and you learn to respect each other and then it makes it easier to, to, you know, learn from each other and to, you know, possibly be able to change somebody's mind here and there. So an issue campaign is really like a nonpartisan thing, right? It's sort of like homelessness has nothing to do if you're a Democrat or a Republican. Right, exactly. And and I think, uh, you know, there's a big, a long tradition of that in, in Cincinnati, although, of course, there's still definitely political parties and, you know, there's definitely some partisanship. But, um, you know, I think that, like you said, I mean, uh, there's a, we have a, a group called the Charter Party, which is one of the oldest uh, independent political parties. But they say there's no Republican or, or Democratic way to to fill a pothole. You know, it's basically just the idea of, of well, let's just have good, transparent government that, um, you know, where there's accountability and, um, you know, that the citizen voices is, is respected and that there's real uh, community input in the decision making process. And that's, you know. That's always a constant struggle that, uh, you know, it's sort of like everybody, uh, everybody in office always likes to talk a good game about transparency and, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, it, you really got to a citizen hold people's feet to the fire. And, and I really think that, you know, civic engagement is, is very important that, and that we, we can do better as a city and as a community and as a nation. And I think that, you know, it's important for us to, to work towards that. And there are so many issue campaigns. Why is, did homelessness uh, in particular appeal to you as as the one you devoted your time to? It's, obviously, it's a very worthy and important thing. But what attracted you to that specifically? Well, I think um, part of why I got involved with that is because um, that it's an organization that uh, is really trying to, to work at the things at the macro level. So, you know, the, it was an organization that was actually trying to really focus on advocacy work at, at trying to change city policies because we believe that, that, you know, these are systemic issues, that it's not just, you know, somebody, I mean, you, you might have it fall on our times and, and end up in a situation, but the reason that we have growing homelessness uh, is because there's a lack of affordable housing and jobs that pay a living wage. And then, and then there's also, there's a lot of factors that are involved. You know, we have a, lack of investment in our transit system in, in Cincinnati. Um, and so that makes it hard for people who either, either do work to, you know, keep their jobs if the bus isn't showing up on time, they can't get there or they can't get to, um, you know, some job opportunities. Um, it really has it's a big impact on people's lives. And I think that, um, you know, because I've been given so much and I also, you know, grew up in a, a you know, working class, uh, you know, kind of, poor background and went to school with kids from 
uh, you know, all over the city. Many of them were, were actually very poor, and it was in a, a neighborhood that was, uh, you know, is, is now being gentrified, but it was very much, you know, a, an impoverished neighborhood, one of the most impoverished in, in the nation. And so, uh, you know, it opened up my eyes to, one, how good I had it um, as far as our, you know, our family was, was doing better than a lot of people were. And I always wanted to, you know, just try and make a, an impact on the world, particularly those that um, are less fortunate. And so uh, that's kind of why my focus went to people that are, you know, increasingly on the streets. Are you seeing measurable changes? Um, well, I mean, unfortunately, we've seen homelessness growing, but we, we have actually we, we have made some progress at the local level when it comes to the, there's um, not really there's not really the funding for it yet, but there's the beginnings of a, a affordable housing trust fund, and you know there's real discussions about uh, serious ways that uh, public policy changes that can uh, impact the the numbers and and uh, help to you know to to deal with the systemic issues, and so um, you know it's not. Uh, that's an organization I've been involved with, but I've also worked on a lot of other campaigns. I helped to, to form the Better Bus Coalition to try and get some investment in, in our transit system and to really just kind of educate the public about the need and um, and the benefits. And But I've, I've worked on, on a lot of different kinds of issue campaigns that are, you know, probably would be boring to <laughs> most people. But, um, you know, I just think it's, you know, you got to find what you can do and, and here and there and, uh, you know, try and do what you can. Yeah. Not boring at all. I think actually really, really interesting. And I wonder if on this tour, you're going to, to all over the, the States. I wonder if you, if you look around and you compare it to what's happening in Cincinnati in terms of like, what does the homeless population look like here in San Francisco or, you know, Los Angeles? Yeah. You, are you always kind of thinking about that? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I definitely am. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is something I think about, you know, and I've, I've lived in L.A. and, you know, I've seen seen things change there. I mean, obviously there's and of course, San Francisco. I mean, it's, it's about one of the most expensive cities there is. So, of course, you know, affordable housing uh, is in very much short supply. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. And I think that, again, because I, I believe that it is um, systemic. I mean, I think there's kind of a narrative that, you know, that if, if you're experiencing something like that, then you must have done something wrong. And, and I don't really think that's the case. I think that uh, we just, you know, really need to educate the public because I think if people realize the systemic nature of it and it's not, you know, just about the individuals and, and you know, I think that, you know, there's a lot of factors involved and it's a complicated uh, issue. But I, I do think that we can definitely do better. You know, we're um, a very wealthy and a powerful nation, and I think we just need to have have the the political will to to change some of our our public policies. Yeah, and the homeless are kind of like the invisible class uh, in America, even though they are in plain sight. Um, you know, and and it's yeah, you know, and you hear like, oh, well, the economy is doing so well, and I think to myself, well, yeah, except that we have more homeless than ever, and I don't, I don't think they would think the economy is doing so well. Exactly. I mean, and I, well, you know, I think it's yeah. I mean, what, the the way they measure that, it's yeah, it's doing well for for some people, and the people, um, the wealthiest people in the nation are are doing better than ever. But I think that you know, of course, we see 
growing inequality and, and um, there's a lack of, uh, I think, you know, people get caught up in sort of the, uh, some old narratives that are largely missed, but I mean, it's not, not everybody is, can, you know, make, you know, it's it, the idea that you, all you got to do is work hard and, and you'll, you know, have the American dream. I don't think that that's the, the case in the way that it used to be, you know, it, when we were going to go back to, you know, the, whether it was the fifties or the sixties, and there's a lot of reasons why, but, you know, I think, you know, there's less investment at the federal level for, you know, things like uh, affordable housing. And, and so, um, you know, I think if, if, you, if you look at the public policy changes, I think that's why we're seeing more homelessness and more inequality and people that are having a harder time getting by. I also think people like to sort of generalize about why people are homeless so they can kind of turn their brains off and sort of say, well, they're probably people who uh, did this, this, and this, and that's why they're homeless. Let's move on. Uh, when in fact, that's not the case. Everybody right. has a, a different story. Well, and I think it's 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 easier, you know, to just put the blame on, on people as opposed to, you know, the the society and things that we're sort of not doing that, that we should be doing um, and looking out for, for everybody, um, you know, whether it's homelessness or, you know, I mean, the, the cost of, of health care. I mean, many people, you know, are just one illness or accident away from, um, you know, losing everything. And, and uh, you know, I think that I think we can do better. And it, uh, it's important to, you know, to talk about these issues, because um, that's the only way we're, we're going to be able to make it better is if everybody, you know, learns what, why we have these issues and why they continue and why they're growing and, and what the solutions are, because I do believe that there are solutions and that, and that we largely know what they are. But again, it's just a, we have to build the political will to make those changes. Yeah, I'm sure you know friends that are musicians that might even be high-profile musicians who don't have health insurance. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, people that do, I mean, you know, if uh, you actually – do have a serious issue. I mean, you can lose it or this isn't covered or it still can cost you, I mean, more money than you can afford. So, you know, I think there are definitely solutions out there. You know, I, I personally am for like a universal Medicare for all type of healthcare system. Uh, I think it works in many other countries. They, they pay less and have better outcomes. And I think that, you know, we can certainly do more, but you know, when you have, uh, People making huge profits um, off of healthcare, you know, then you're not going to have as good of outcomes. And so I think, you know, just getting there's some some places where the profit motive shouldn't be, and I think healthcare is one of them. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And it's and do you do you harbor any sort of uh, political aspirations? I know I know that at one point you were uh, running for mayor. Does that stuff still interest you, or do you think you can do more on a grassroots sort of um, issue based level? Yeah, I, I feel like, uh, you know, in, in doing that, I, I learned a lot and I met a lot of people. And, um, you know, for, at this point, I'm, I'm happy just working on issue campaigns. It's uh, it's kind of easier to sort of build coalitions. I think, you know, for me, the thing I didn't like about running for office is, you know, I don't like to call people and ask them for donations and things like that. So, you know, I try to I like to be a part of grassroots campaigns for, for, you know, different issues. And, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't completely rule out anything, you know, forever, but I, I really don't have a, a 
strong desire to to run for any office, uh, but I do have a desire to stay engaged and to try and make things better in whatever way I can. Are you one of those guys that that watches the news uh, constantly? Are you always looking at your phone? What happened now? Well, I used to be. <laughs> it's getting more difficult uh, anymore. I mean, the world is, uh, I don't know, I'm not really, not feeling too uh, good about, you know, the direction things are, are going. But, um, yeah, I mean, I do still pay attention. Um, and it's a little bit more more challenging, uh, you know, when we're traveling on the road and, and the tour. But, yeah, I, I do generally follow, uh, you know, the news pretty closely and uh, try to stay up on on everything that's going on uh, the big picture nationally and even at the you know I, I also I more try to focus on you know a lot of people pay attention to the national picture but I feel like sometimes it's it's more difficult and takes a little more work to you know keep up with what's going on at the state level and, and at the local level and I think that the the closer to, to home you are with those kinds of issues, I think the more impact you can have. So it's a lot easier to make a difference in your community than it is, you know, to do something statewide or nationally. Yeah, and all the sort of commotion and momentum of the news cycle, homelessness hasn't even been addressed on a national level. Yeah, it hasn't. And, uh, you know, it's it's a, a, a big issue in, in Cincinnati, um, and unfortunately it's you know, it's sort of like we, I can definitely point to some successes that we've had, but we've also, you know, it's like you take one step forward and sometimes you take two back. I mean, they literally, they pushed, they, they uh, our county prosecutor essentially made it um, uh, illegal to, you know, camp out anywhere and, you know, and, but yet there's not enough shelters and stuff. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways that uh, we work. We, you know, fortunately have a good uh, legal team. Um, so sometimes it's, it's lawsuits. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, just grassroots campaigns and, you know, it's usually some sort of combination of all the above. So you got to kind of fight the good fight on, on a lot of different fronts. And, uh, you know, it's sort of, you gotta, you gotta really, anytime there's a small victory, we have to really, you know, appreciate that because, you know, there's often a lot of setbacks. Yeah, and what's always sort of made me feel weird about humanity is how quickly people are willing to dismiss people who have much less than they do. Yeah, yeah, I think um, that's an unfortunate trend we've been seen here uh, in in this country. And it's sort of like, you know, when did we get to a place? Well, it's like with the whole health care thing. I'm like, when did Americans stop giving a crap about right. Americans? Right. You know, are we supposed to, like care about each other and try and, you know, uh, I think it's, you know, uh, we can definitely do better. And uh, I don't, I don't certainly have all the solutions, but I know that, uh, you know, that our country has more problems than we deserve and more solutions than we implement. Yeah. But you never lose hope, right? No, no, not, not at all. And I think, you know, that's, you know, there's, there is hope when you, when you're involved and, and active because there's a lot of great people out there doing a lot of great work and there are, you know, there are successes in different public policy things, uh, you know, public policies that are working in, in different cities. And, you know, I think it's important to, to learn what's working where and what can, you know, be implemented uh, in your own hometown. So that's what, what we've been working toward and uh, will continue to do. And I guess that's the intersection between your career as a musician 
and your activism is that, you know, the idea that you can sort of almost, I don't want to say use your, your high profile to help, but it certainly doesn't hurt. It, it, it doesn't. I mean, it's definitely, um, you know, one, I've, I've had, you know, probably more time to be engaged in those types of things than I, I think I would have, um, you know, if I, if I wasn't given this opportunity and, you know, it, it, it has allowed me to, to be able to take time to focus on, you know, different campaigns like that that are, you know, a lot of work and there's not, there's not a lot of glamour or money in, uh, you know, the kinds of causes that I like to get involved with. What do you but, do? you know, there's, there's also sort of the joys of, of justice and seeing, you know, uh, seeing a victory for um, the community. Do you do anything for Thanksgiving uh, in your hometown? Well, I, um, you know, I always get together with family. It's sort of, it's kind of changed over the years. Sometimes uh, my my brother and his wife, they live in uh, Clearwater, Florida, and so they're, they have a tradition of going to uh, the Don Cesar for, or that's how they, they do Thanksgiving. So sometimes we'll go down there and, and, and have Thanksgiving with them. Um, you know, I, sometimes my mom likes to cook or, you know, a lot of times we'll go over to an aunt's house and, um, you know, I have a, a girlfriend now, so I'll definitely be going by to her family, get together and then, you know, figure out still not sure what, what my family's plans are. We still have to figure that out, but, uh, we'll, it's getting closer. So we'll figure it out soon enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. What are the, the future aspirations for the group? Uh, or do you just sort of take it as it comes now? Well, I think, you know, we, we definitely have, have made the decision that we want to continue to, to do stuff in, as a group and to build our brand and to continue to, to do tours and, and to work and, um, you know, because it's something that we enjoy and, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, a unique opportunity. And so, um, you know, we definitely have goals of, of continuing to tour and continuing to, to make music because that's something that we love to do. Um, we don't have any immediate plans as far as like a, a new album or anything, but we're always, uh, you know, having conversations about, you know, part of it is, the, the business in the world has changed so much. So, you know, people are consuming music differently um, than they used to. And so, you know, sometimes uh, the, the the more traditional route, what used to work, you know, in the late 90s and 2000s isn't necessarily always the, the best model. And it just kind of depends on the artist. So, you know, we're always trying to navigate, like, what's, what's the best thing for us to do, um, you know, and, and obviously we have to balance. Uh, all the other guys are married with kids so you know we have to find the the balance with keeping you know the family time and and as a priority but still managing to, for us to be able to get together to to do our thing and and then um and also trying to you know keep a, a close attention to what our, our fans are into what you know they're a pretty important factor in in all the decisions as well <laughs> well yeah um well, I'm, I'm glad you're back, and I appreciate you talking politics with me. I, I think it's really fascinating, and I think our listeners will find it in, incredibly interesting. Well, I appreciate uh, you know the opportunity to talk to you, and yeah, I mean it's it's nice. You know, I, 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 usually in interviews, I don't we do we don't get get into quite as much of a discussion about uh, those things, but yeah, I mean of course having worked at the homeless coalition, I definitely 
get get some questions usually, but it's it's nice to you know have a little bit more of an in depth conversation. Well, I, I appreciate your time, and uh, uh, I know we were talking about homelessness, and I thought, how do I pivot back to Christmas music? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, I think uh, it's it's tough. I mean, you know, as I was, I was saying, my uh, I have some family members that uh, were living in paradise, so you know, it's it's very much uh, close to to uh, you know something I can relate to, and and uh, you know, so we're we're trying to figure out what all we can do for them and uh you know and again my heart goes out to to everybody that's been affected by the the fires here in california and um you know we 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 always like to think you know one of the things about christmas time is it 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 was where we all try to be nicer to each other and we try to be more caring and more giving and um having worked at the homeless coalition is definitely around the holidays i think everybody is in more mind uh, the mindset where you, you know it's important to give back and to try and do nice things for for people especially those that are uh, less fortunate There you go. He's a thoughtful guy. He's a guy who thinks critically, and he's a guy who's right. The things he's saying are important, and they're true. Justin from 98 Degrees, that, my friends, is our Thanksgiving special. You can follow 98 Degrees and see what's going on with them, 98degrees.com. By the way, no need to spell out 98. Just hit a 9, just hit an 8, and then degrees, and you're good to go. Not a lot of spelling either when it comes to my website, alexgreenbooks.com. I have a new book out, The Adventure Teen All-Stars. Speaking of uh, holidays, it would be a great Christmas present. It's very short. It fits in a stocking. You know, it could be a great thing to give to all 25 of your kids. I don't know. Do you have 25 kids? How in the devil did you do that? You know what? I don't want to know. Just uh, put up the stockings, put the book in the stockings, and uh, continue to do whatever it is that you do. Now, you can follow me on what's left of Twitter, at Ember's Editor. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be on there. I mean, I know everyone keeps saying that. Some people are actually dismantling their accounts. I'm still there. It feels, uh, doesn't feel good. I shouldn't be there. I mean, what more do I need to know about Elon Musk that will finally make me say, oh, that's it, right there. I'm, I'm done. It feels immoral, actually, to be a part of Twitter. So, you know, I don't think I'll be there much longer. If you want to see what I look like on Twitter, how I perform on that application, stop by and say hello. Prepare to not be that impressed. I'm not a very tweety guy. I'm not very high-functioning on the Twitter application. I'm better on Instagram, at Ember's Podcast, or just email me, and let's get rid of all these apps, editor at Stereo Embers Magazine. Dot com. Don't forget to check out bombshellradio.com to find out what makes our radio station tick. And one more thing not to forget. I know it wouldn't slip your mind. You're far too responsible, but I'm going to remind you anyway. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, rate and review, and tell all your friends. 
a very happy Thanksgiving to you, however you celebrate it, however you decide to spend your time on this day that, you know, historically is freighted with some rather immoral baggage. (laughs) So, you know, I think the best thing to do is be with the people that you love, help out the people that need help, and be good to yourself, okay? All right. Well, thanks for spending time with me today. Have a great holiday, and I'll see you next week right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. Mm -hmm.